The book of Romans in the first chapter has a whole list of sins of the men and women of the world, and the list is a terrible one. It makes for unpleasant reading. God condemns the sins, and he condemns those who do them, and he condemns those, and this is the scary part, that approve of those who do those sins. And that's the reason it's scary is because sometimes we pay money to people to have them act out evil things, and we call that movies and TV. We've got to be very careful. The list of sins is a bad one. And God says in, in Romans that they are without excuse because what can be known about God can be seen in the way the world was designed. If we just look at it and pay attention, we can understand a lot about God. Paul tells the philosophers of Athens that God is not hidden. He is not far from any one of them. They don't have to search for him. He is right in front of them. Well, one of the things we learn early on children learn this too, is that the world is a very dangerous place. And adults, we need to remember it. Watch the race by baby turtles to the sea. How many make it? Not most. Watch the nature programs. I remember that I used to, to watch every so often a Disney nature film. Uh, now back, now you might as well, but back in the, the 50s and 60s, that was a very dangerous thing to do. Because you learned things such as when a bear is grumpy, he really just needs a hug. Um, that's not wise. But Disney was just trying to entertain. But then you started to watch other real nature things. And you started watching the beautiful little antelope. And all of a sudden, chomp, and it's gone. And the other antelope are going, I don't know. I don't see anything. I don't want to be involved. They're just walking away. Nature is dangerous. Look at the animals that merely exist. Their only reason for existing is to break down, tear down, and dispose of other things that have died. Death is built into the system. As much as you and I don't like it, it's there. While the jungle is incredibly beautiful, and it amazes me, I, I hear people that have never been in a jungle say, we have to save the rainforest because in there could be the cure for cancer. Uh, maybe. Have you been in a rainforest? You've been in a jungle? And I'm not talking about ziplining in Belize. I'm talking about being in there. There are also about 8,000 things that want to kill you. There are plants that might heal your cancer and might grow a second head. <laughs> While the jungle is beautiful, it is also incredibly dangerous. You can see a multicolored frog and go, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and die because its skin is poisonous. Beauty and death are built in together. In fact, there are two categories of animals in the jungle, the quick and the dead. That's it. Except for sloths. Everybody don't, they just, we don't know what to do with them. We are surrounded by bloodshed, death, mixed in with beauty, humor, and joy. And thus we come upon Joshua. And Joshua, we're not prepared for Joshua. Because we spend a great deal of our time isolating ourselves from things like Joshua isolating ourselves from everything. If you don't like the temperature, do a little dial thing or punch a button, change it. If you don't like the way light is, ooh, the sun's up and that's inconvenient, shut the blind. Ooh, the sun's down, that's inconvenient, flip a switch. We have clothes to keep us the temperature we want, uh, regardless of when, rain, sun, whatever. We've got a ceiling above us, a floor below us. We've got all of this stuff to protect us from what's out there. We don't even have to watch evil if we don't want to. We don't have to follow the news if we don't want to. 
You know, back in, in the early days, perhaps you were um, some pioneers out in Tennessee, and the news was there are some renegade Native Americans out there coming for you. And you didn't have the option of saying, I don't want to listen to that. I think I'll watch Dancing with the Pioneers. <laughs> you didn't have an option. We do. And so you'll hear people say, I just don't pay attention to the news. That's good move because they certainly can't, nothing there could affect you in any possible way. We have beheadings in Oklahoma. And we have them in London. This is a dangerous world. We can pretend that it isn't by trying to amuse ourselves to death. But it's a dangerous world. And we forget it. And then we read something like Joshua, and we go, ooh, that's a bad book. That shouldn't be in the Bible. That's what you would expect from a people that send their, their military to war, but America doesn't go to war anymore. They go to the mall. In the old days, some of you were in World War II. You didn't take trips because you saved petrol and rubber for the lads, didn't you? You grew gardens because you, you saved the food for the boys overseas. Everything about everything was wrapped around. We're all in this together. We don't have to do that anymore. And then we read Joshua, and we get upset at God because there's death in here. It's ugly. Joshua strips it all away, takes us back to a time where the people had to face the harsh world and had no options. You know, it's, uh, I just finished reading an excellent book on the civil rights movement. And again, I really highly respect the pacifist leaders of the civil rights movement, but not all were pacifists. And as this book details, written by one of the civil rights leaders who was a pacifist, it says, uh, this, it's entitled, This Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. And it talks about the only reason we were able to do nonviolent protests was because we knew we had friends around us that had weapons to protect us so we could be nonviolent. And it talks about that balance because nonviolence was a great thing in the classroom. Then they took it to the street and it didn't work as well. Real life can be very inconvenient. The brutal reality of living in a fallen world it's something we try to hide from, but we, let's face it, people, we were designed to live in Eden, and we don't. And there are consequences to this. So we come to a book that bears the name of a 60-plus-year-old hero and commander, Joshua. His name means God is salvation. And he will continually remind the people through the book, you need to make a choice. You need to pick a team. Whose side are you on? And in dangerous times, stay very close to God. We sing a song, and I like the song very much. You know, I know that uh, the God of angel armies is always by our side. And that's, that is absolutely true, as long as you're walking by his. Please remember, follow the right person. Yesterday, my, my wife went up. I was speaking in Indianapolis, and so my wife went over to see our, our grandson's ball games, which are... Um, better than any comedy you've ever seen on tally. And the two-year-old, when she got there, had been missing for a while because he had followed the wrong mommy. Do you remember those days? Yes. Don't follow the wrong leader. There are troubling events in this book. There are calls to kill, 
calls to kill every single man, woman, boy, and girl, and even all the animals in some towns, because frankly, the cows had it coming. When we read the Gospels and come to Joshua, we're snapped back, our jaws drop, and we wonder, all right, can this be the same God? Jesus talks about love and peace and turn the other cheek, and Joshua says, kill them all, kill them all, kill them all, and then kill them again. How do we... How do we do this? Well, let me help you with this, although it might upset some. This is military language. Military language has always been more brutal than a reality. When war broke out 13 or so years ago, whenever it was, uh, people said, oh, drop bombs, turn it all into a glass parking lot. Now, did they really want to kill every man, woman, boy, and child? No, it's military language. It's the way you do. Let's go, let's go get some. Let's, let's do that. It's military language. It's the way that ancient people talk. And in fact, they still talk that way in the Mideast. This is the mother of all battles. Really? Seemed it not, that didn't last that long, that one. The, this is, we're, gonna, you know, we're going to, to, to rule the world, maybe. And remember this. Not only is it exaggerated military language, there's no archaeological evidence that a great genocide or slaughter took place. In fact, in the Bible, within a few chapters, you find that the very people they said, we're going to kill them all, they're living right next to. And the, the leaders are saying, oh, let's stop marrying them. It's hard to marry them if you killed them three chapters ago. It's exaggerated Middle East. Um, all right, the, the question we had today on the cussing. The Middle East do, do not have, uh, Semitic languages do not have curse words. We took them all. Indo-European languages took them all. We've got them. How do they curse then? By very flowery language. You may, you know, may the gnats from a thousand camels run up your nose and out your ear. You know, it's, it's all very flowery, that sort of thing, right? Uh, the old Roger Miller song, may the bird of paradise fly up your nose, that sort of thing. That's the way they curse and that's the way they write to each other. Even at the end of this book, and the next book, we find that those tribes of people are still right there. They intermarried. And the rules of God about caring for the foreigner and the stranger in the land are still in force. So be aware, this is an ancient people writing their story their way. And we do a great disservice to Scripture when we try to make it read like history the way we would write it. They don't write it that way. They're different people. I don't believe God ever said, kill the babies. I don't believe God ever said, kill the women, and meaning it. I believe that this is the way they talked. In fact, the conquest of Canaan took about 100 years. If you read Joshua real quick, you think it took like a weekend. It took 100 years. As they worked with each other, they were always a threat to each other. That's the way tribes are. And yet, even in this deadly book, there's beauty, just like the jungle. There's beauty. There's Rahab. Kill them all. And then they find a prostitute. The two spies, the spies go into the land. Next scene, in the house of a prostitute. Hang on. I'd like to know that thought process. I'd like to know how they decided that was a good place to go. You know, I would love, if I'd written the Bible, I would have written a great story about how they were chased by the guard and they went hiding and they found themselves by accident completely in the house of a prostitute. And they went, oh no, we must flee. You know, that sort of thing. That's not it. It's a prostitute. Well known, by the way, because her house is right up on the city wall. 
Good advertising. Everybody saw it. Even the guards knew her. And she said, nope, haven't seen any uh, Israelite spies under my flax here at all. No, you know, we are completely, we are now uh, 100% uh, Jewish spy free. And so they left. So she lied. And then God said, that's great. And he saves her. That's a little interesting. Especially since she's in the city where we're told, kill them all. But God says, don't kill her. So they save her and they keep their word. They let her, they li- let her live near them. <laughs> they give her a place outside the camp. She lives in the suburbs. Next thing we know, however, she's married a Jewish guy and she's in Israel and she's one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ that's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. God is showing beauty even in the middle of this book. Goes more. Chapter 3, the wade in the water. Do you remember that lesson several months ago about your own personal Jordan, about walking in the water? That chapter is really all of Joshua in summation. Will you put your feet in the raging flood? Will you face your fears? The demons that live in the water, will you walk through them knowing your God will save them? Whose side are you on? And are you brave enough to face forward and walk forward? Are you going to wade in the water? And they did. Priest went first. They waded in the water. Water was stopped. They made it through. That's a lesson we need to remember. We enter the water to show faith. We still do that with baptism. But it's also more than this. It's our life. Will you wake up in the morning with the faith to do the job? Several of you are very, you're, you're very, very kind. And you'll say, I look at your schedule where you're speaking and you travel here and speak. Then you rush back here and you do this, that, and the other. And oh, I don't know how you do it. It's very simple. You do it because it's your duty. It's, you, there's, there's nothing more to it than that. I don't have any more energy than you have. I have less than most of you. I, my spiritual gift is sitting. Uh, I'm, I'm very gifted in it. Um, I, my wife says I'm the only person that's in imminent danger of being trodden by sloths or um, by being overrun by a glacier. I, I can sit forever. When we, when we go on vacation, she gets all kinds of activities. I sit and read the whole time. She comes back, scrapes the moth, uh, the moss off the north side, and we have a discussion. But that's not what my life is. My God called me and saved me, and for gratitude, I've got to wade in the water. You got to step in, and so we go. You go. That's what we do. Chapter five, verse thirteen, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And when you read it, you won't know why. So let me explain it. Joshua, big old Joshua's never been afraid of anything in his life, as far as we can tell. Tough, killer leader, goes out to pray before the big battle of Jericho. And he sees, standing there, a mighty man of God in full armor. And it frightens him to the point where he hits the ground. You're not going to find that a lot in Joshua's life, where he just goes, okay, thump. And then he says, are you on our side or on their side? That's an excellent question. And the answer is, neither. But I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And we need to remember this. We often say God's on our side. Both sides in a war will say God's on our side. No. Your job's to be on his side. His job's not to follow you about and approve of everything you do. 
Your job is to follow him. And Joshua needed a readjustment of his attitude. Are you for us or are you against us? Neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. So now the question comes. It's not stated, but the question comes, whose side are you on, Joshua? That's an excellent question. Love that chapter. Then there's chapter 6. Now, archaeologists have real issues with the Battle of Jericho uh, story, and I've heard all kinds of stories from the pulpit that aren't true about Jericho. So, you know, we found the ruins, and one wall was standing, and three were falling out. No, they didn't. It's a great preacher story. Um, one of these days, we're going we're gonna to develop a book of the lies told by preachers. <laughs> and uh, right now, I'm on volume 8. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a big one. The, um, we're confused about where Jer- Jericho was, what date it fell, and all that sort of thing. That's not the point. The point is, it's, it's, it's a metaphorical story. It may be a historical story as well, but think about it. God comes to them and says, here's the battle plan. Are we ready? Yay! Day one, we're, we're going to walk around it. Okay. Day two, we're going to walk around it again. Uh-huh. Day three, walk around it. we we'll keep going. Day seven, we're going to walk around it a whole lot. Then we're going to play some tunes. Have you thought about how odd this is? There's a point being made. God's ways are not our ways. We're always looking for the secret, aren't we? If we do this kind of ministry, people will show up. If we hire this kind of person, we'll fill the place. If we do this kind of thing, then God will love us and we'll take the country and we'll have this. No, no, no. Stop looking for the secret. Just every day, wade in the water, face forward, and follow God. You just walk around with God. He'll take care of walls. He'll take care of cities. He'll take care of what he wants to do. You keep walking around, the walls will fall. And by the way, if we're playing metaphor here, over the hundred years, they walked around Canaan, and eventually all these tribes fell. Just because they were there. And so was God. Trust him. Don't look for the secret. I know I see it on internet as well, and on Facebook. These ten things will save your marriage. Well, I know of one thing that will save your marriage. Don't click on that. It's kind of like quizzes in women's magazines. Is your husband faithful? Take the quiz. Don't take the quiz. That quiz was designed by disgruntled women who write women's magazines. They can't let you be happy, so they've got to frighten you. Does he have hair? Ooh. Does he not have hair? Ooh. You know, that sort of thing. There, there's no, you're going to get busted regardless of what you do. Right, men? You've, ta- you've, you've, been, you've been subjected to these things. Chapter 6. Just walk around with God. He will take care of what needs to be taken care of. Chapter 9. It's a great warning. The Gibeonites. Here we have a people. Think about this. I lo- First of all, it's a hilarious story. Sad, but hilarious. A lot of things are sad and hilarious. Um, as Mel Brooks once said that, uh, you know, tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tragedy comedy 
thing that's hooked in together. And chapter 9 is very much one of those. Here come, the Gibeonites are able to read a map and, and see the ark and see how it's coming across that the, everywhere those Israelites are coming, uh, people are dying. So they say, here's a plan. Let's all put on old clothes, have moldy food, uh, almost out of water. It's brackish now, old wine skins that are, you know, water skins that are just drying up. Uh, we'll have uh, worn out animals and, and we'll, we'll act like we came from a long place. So they come around the corner and they go, oh, look, there are Israelites. We've come from a long way away. You'll never get there. It's quite a long way away. Um, but if you ever did, which you won't because it's a long way away. But if you did, um, we, do, we do have a question. Uh, well, a favor, really. Um, don't kill us. And the Jews were looking at each other going, what are the odds? Are we ever going to go that far away? Okay, we won't kill you. Well, let's review God said, don't make any agreements with the people that you meet. They made an agreement against God's decree. They didn't ask God's uh, input on it. Didn't pray, didn't think about it, just did it. It was based upon a lie. And God held them to it. We are to be a people of our word. I was very, very, very proud of so many of our members up in Michigan when Detroit collapsed. I mean, our house lost 70% of its value, 60% of its value, somewhere right in there, just like that. Suddenly, we owed on it more than twice what it was worth. People abandoned their homes in our neighborhood because it did not make sense to pay for it. It just didn't. A lot of people did. But most of, almost every single member of our congregation said, it doesn't matter what the house is worth. We gave our word. We're paying. And they did. So did we. Not because we're righteous, but because we've read Joshua 9. And we know when you give your word, you keep your word. You do it. Not because it benefits you, but because you gave your word. Then chapter 20, the cities of refuge. You know, no other people had anything like this. Back then, if you were chopping wood and the axe head fell off and hit somebody and killed them, their family would come kill you. But God said, no, accidents happen. If you don't think you can get a fair trial or somebody's coming after you, you run to one of these cities. You put them on both sides of the river to make it easy to get to. When you get there, you're protected. There will be a trial. We will gather evidence and we will keep you safe. There's nothing like that in the ancient world. But there was there. Beauty and the jungle. There are moments of sheer beauty here. There are some parts of Joshua that are just plain boring, unless you're a historian. Here are the list of the tribes and the land we gave them. All right, be honest. Did you skim a bit when you got to those? Go on. It's probably not a quiz. Let's move. Historians love it because they're able to say, well, then there should be a settlement right there. And they go trace the river and they start digging. Bible's not a treasure map, but it has helped archaeologists find a whole lot of stuff. And they love those chapters. And then Joshua ends as he begins, standing at the water's edge. Make a choice. I'm going to start teaching in one of the classes today, one of the connection groups on the book of Revelation. And as I said last week, Randy Harris sums it all up by saying, God has a team, Satan has a team, God's team wins, pick a team. Joshua is very much like that as well. Standing at the water's edge, it doesn't matter how many demons are in front of you, if God is with you, 
walk in the water. Move forward. We as a church need to do that. Can I tell you why we're at a dangerous point right now? Because we're happy. This is a very happy church. This is a very loving church. If you're disgruntled, don't tell me because I've not found you yet. You're not gruntling loud enough. <laughs> we, are, we are a happy church. And because of this, we can forget that other people need this and be content right where we are. Not tell our neighbors, not tell our friends, our work, co-workers that there's a place of peace where you can find out what Joshua talks about, what, what the Psalms mean. We're walk, working through this as a body, as a family, and so we can leave seats open because we're saying, well, you know, we filled these and we're happy. Let us never be content as long as we're alive. Content with God, but not content with where we are as a people of God. We move forward. For in this world, there are the quick and the dead, those that are moving and those that will die. When it comes to physiology, motion is lotion. If you don't move your joints, they will seize up. Muscles will atrophy. You got to move. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Motion is life. We are the people of God and we're on a great journey. Pick a team. Make a decision. Mark, would you come forward? Are you on your own or you have a team this time? On your own? We do appreciate you so much, brother. We really do. We're so glad you're here. And we're so proud of our, our shepherd. Yeah, you can applaud him if you like. Look at that. <laughs> we are so proud of our of our shepherds. We're so proud of the uh, godly women we have here. We're so happy. Let us never be so content. We, like some of Israel said, we'll just stay on this side of the river. Let us always move forward. Pick a team. Let's